today's scripture is Psalms chapter 42, verses 1 through 11. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All of your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Good morning, East Point Church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. What a wonderful Lord's Day the Lord has given us this morning. Wonderful testimonies of His grace indeed. Wonderful testimonies of His mercy once again. They are new this morning, amen? And great, great is his faithfulness unto us. Amen and amen. If there is ever any doubt that the Lord answers prayer. <laughs> amen and amen. The Lord is a prayer answering God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. His mercies endures forever. Amen. Amen. There's a word from the Lord. It is a word that not only do we hear, there's a word that we see. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? You come to the church and you not only hear the word of the Lord, but you see the word of the Lord. When you witness the baptism of the Lord, you see the word of the Lord. That is taking the word of the Lord in with our eyes. And we bear witness to the word of God. And what a blessing it is to see that the word of God is alive. It is effective. It accomplishes that for which the Lord sends it out to accomplish. And that is the salvation of his people. What a wonderful testimony that is. The word of God is alive. God saves his people. And we get to see it. How beautiful that is. How wonderful that is. How marvelous that is this morning. How marvelous that is for God's people. How glorious that is unto God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy to be praised. Well, if you are visiting here at East Point Church this morning, praise God. 
Praise God. Glad you are here with us. Glad the Lord would have you to come and to fellowship with us on this day of days. And uh, while you are here with us, glad that the Lord would have you to come and be encouraged with us this morning. If, if you see we are happy, it is because the Lord is good. And I pray that some of that joy is yours with us this, this morning. And if you have any questions at all of why we are happy, please do not hesitate to ask us. It'd be our joy to share that happiness with you and explain to you why we are happy this, this morning. Uh, um, please, please do not hesitate to, to ask us. It would be our pleasure to share that with you this morning. You have come while we are in the midst of a short series of messages on um, KISS, Keep It Simple Saints. It is a short series of messages in which we have been seeking to get back to basics in, in Jesus looking at five important and, and, and simple uh, elements of the Christian life where we have been encouraged by Jesus from Luke uh, um, chapter 10, verse 42, where Jesus reminds us to keep it simple, that our lives, as we know, can be complicated at times, that we live complicated lives because our lives are sped up. But even though our lives are sped up, our Christian lives, our Christian, our Christian faith should not be, and our understanding of it should not be. And so therefore, we are encouraged to have a simple faith. Our faith should be simple. Our worship should be simple. Our prayers should be simple. And this morning, we want to be reminded that our devotion should be simple. God calls us to faith. God calls us to prayer. God calls us to worship. God calls us to devotion. Because he calls us to be with him. And if he calls us to faith... And he calls us to prayer, and he calls us to worship, and he calls us to devotion, then none of this should be complicated. Amen. None of this should be complicated. He calls us to be with him. None of this should be hard. And none of this is, beloved. And it need not be. This morning we want to reflect on the fact that he calls us to be with him. That he calls us to spend time in devotion. And it shouldn't be hard. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your word visible. We thank you that we are able to come to the assembly, that we are able to hear your word, that we are able to read your word, that we are able to sing your word, that we are able to preach your word, that we are able to pray your word, that we are able to see your word. And we're able to taste your word. In all of this, Lord, we are able to see that your word is good. And that you are great. And that you are worthy to be praised. Thank you. In all these things, you are faithful. You are great and worthy. And we praise you. Be magnified this morning in the midst of your people. Thank you for coming and dwelling in our midst. Thank you for your spirit, for delivering and healing. Thank you 
for your presence this morning. Open our eyes once again that we might see Jesus. And as you point us to him, save us, Lord. Save us all. In Jesus' name, we ask and we hope this morning and always and for his sake. Amen. I wonder if you remember <clears throat> the early days of your discipleship. You remember those days? Perhaps some of you are still in them. You remember those days when, when nothing mattered? When nothing mattered but your time with the Lord? Nothing mattered but your time with the Lord. Every day you made sure that you had time for prayer. Every day. Every day you made sure that you cherished your time in the Word. Every day. Every day you made sure you set aside time to spend with Jesus. You did this because you were told that it was important, it was critical that you had a quote-unquote quiet time. Because that's what it was called, right? A quiet time. Or you had daily devotions. Daily devotions. And so you were encouraged to spend time with Jesus every day. And because you had those quote-unquote quiet times or because you had those daily devotions... You felt close to God. And you believed that you were close to Jesus. There's this old hymn that uh, we used to sing in a church, my church growing up, and it said, I come to the garden alone when the dew was still on the roses. And the voices I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Amen. <laughs> now, even though the hymn, now that hymn, beloved, actually is about Mary, you know, going to the tomb of Jesus after the resurrection, and she's spending time talking to Jesus, and she's there talking with Jesus and walking with Jesus and, and spending time and, and tarrying with Jesus. Christians throughout the years have taken that to refer to their quiet time with Jesus and him walking with them and he talks with them and telling them how they are his and he is theirs. And I get it. But the question that I want to raise this morning is what happens when it seems like he doesn't? What happens when it seems like he's not walking with us? He's not talking with us. In other words, what happens when quiet times get quiet, beloved? What happens when the quiet times get quiet? 
What happens now when it seems like you're walking alone? What happened to that excitement? What happened to that enthusiasm? What happens? Well, put simply, beloved, I think that life happens, right? Life happens. The demands of life happens. That's what happens. Life happens. You got to get to school. Got to get to school on time. Got to get to work on time. The demands of family happens, right? Got to get these kids to school. Got to make breakfast. Got to make lunch. Got to make dinner. Got to get to bed. Why did we begin this series of messages? The reason we began these series of messages is because Many of us have begun to feel the need to rekindle and to be reminded of the simplicity of knowing Jesus. Because we have found ourselves lacking an excitement or having lost what the Bible calls our first love. Our first love. That's the issue. Our first love. You know what happens when you get saved, beloved? In Romans 5 and 5, the Bible says that the love of God was poured into our hearts. That's what happened. When you and I were saved, the love of God was poured into our lives. Your life was filled with the love of God. That's where the enthusiasm for the things of God came from. God loved you, and he poured his love into you, and you grew in your desire to know God. That's where that desire and love for God came from. God poured that love into you, and your desire for God grew. That's where the desire and love for the things of God just flourished at the beginning. Because his love poured into you. And you desire to know God. You desire to know Christ. You desire to understand God's word. You desire to know the things of eternal life. And then what happened? Well, life happened. Life happened. Not only life happened, then the enemy happened. And the enemy came in. And what did the enemy do? What does the enemy do? The enemy did what the enemy does. He began to gnaw at the root. And they began to steal some of the fruit. And like the church in Ephesus, the Bible says in Revelation 2 and 4, we begin to forsake our first love. We begin to forsake the thing or the one you loved at first. And the thing or the one you loved at first, you find yourself not loving as you once did. And yet, what you and I need to be reminded of, what I want to remind you of this morning, what you and I need to remember, because we tend to forget, if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. Because we tend to forget this. 
Though you may have forsaken your first love, your first love has not forsaken you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You and I often forsake our first love. Your first love has not forsaken you. We forget that, beloved. We often forget that. You may have lost some of your devotion for God. God has not lost his devotion for you. God has not lost his devotion for you. And because God has not lost his devotion for you, no matter where you are or how far you have gone, you can always have your devotion back. Did you hear what I said? No matter how far you've gone, because God has not lost his devotion for you, you can always have your devotion back. The Lord our God has not only called us to faith, he has not only called us to pray, he has not only called us to worship, he has also called us to devotion. And like faith and prayer and worship, because he has called us devotion, he has not made it complicated. It is simple. And he wants us to have it. And he wants us to have it this morning. And no matter where you are, he wants you to have it back. He wants you to have it back. He wants you to have it back. It's simple, beloved. It's simple. Like most things in the Christian life, our daily time with the Lord should not be complicated. We make it complicated because we put so much pressure on ourselves. We put pressure on ourselves because we make it about ourselves. We make it about ourselves to do it a certain way or at a certain time. God is not making spending time with God hard. Do you understand? God is not making spending time with God hard. You need to write that down. We make spending time with God hard. We make spending time with God hard because we focus on us. Because we focus on our weaknesses. We focus on our shortcomings. We focus on our failures. We make it hard because we focus on the how. Well, beloved, the how is for another discussion. Okay? I don't want to focus on the how this morning. Because the Bible doesn't focus on the how. Okay? You want to focus on the how? We can go to Bible study. We can focus on the how. We can focus on the devotionals. We can focus on the journaling. We can focus on all that. That's not what we're going to do this morning. We're not going to focus on the how. We're going to focus on the why. Why should you be spending time with God? 
Why? Because it's simple. It's the simplest thing you can do. And the reason devotion is simple is because it is based upon a simple promise. The most basic and simple promise of them all. God's promise to be with his people. The reason why you can spend time with God is because God's desire to spend time with you. Do you know how easy it is to spend time with somebody who wants to spend time with you? That's the easiest thing in the world to do. To spend time with somebody who wants to spend time with you. My little, uh, my little granddaughter, my little granddaughter, I got an office down in my basement, and I go down there to work, and my little granddaughter comes down there, and I'll be busy working, and she'll come down there, and she'll be messing around in the office, and I'll say, Esalen, what do you want? And she said, nothing. <laughs> and she'll just be messing around in there getting all in my stuff, and I'll be trying to work. And I said, Esther Lynn, what do you want? Nothing. And I'll be trying to work, and she'll just be busying herself in my desk, on my desk. I said, Esther Lynn, what do you want? And she said, nothing, Papa. I just want to be where you are. How easy it is to spend time with someone who wants to spend time with you. God wants to be where you are. That's what he says. In spite of your failures, in spite of your faults, in spite of your shortcomings, God desires to be with you. This is amazing, beloved. This is amazing. This is amazing. One of the things we forget is God's desire to be with his people. He desires to be with us. And our confidence in being with God comes from knowing that God's desire is to be with us. And when you know someone desires to be with you, it should make you all the more confident of your ability to be with them. This is one of the great covenant promises in all the Bible. Is the presence of God. It's one of the great promises in all the Bible. In fact, in fact, beloved, the promise of God's presence is what all the other promises of God are built upon. We look at all the promises of God in the Bible. The promise of salvation, the promise of healing, the promise of provision, the promise of deliverance. All of those promises are built upon the fact that he promises to be with you. This is the promise. This is the promise. The reason there's a promise of salvation is because God promises to be with you. The reason there's a promise of deliverance is because God promises to be with you. The reason there's a promise of provision is because God promises to be with you. This is the promise he made to Jacob. Genesis 26 and 24. He says to Jacob, Jacob, do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bless you and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. I am with you. This is the promise he made to Moses. When he sent Moses to Pharaoh, Moses was afraid. Moses says, who am I to go to Pharaoh? 
Who am I to speak to Pharaoh? God says to Moses in Exodus 3 and 12, what are you afraid of, Moses? I am with you. What are you to be afraid of? I am with you. This is the promise he made to Joshua. He told Joshua, Joshua, you think Moses was somebody? Listen to me, Joshua, Joshua 3 and 7. Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel that they may know. You think they were impressed with Moses? Wait till they see how I'm going to be with you. This is the promise he made to Israel. In Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. He tells the nation of Israel, y'all don't be afraid. Be not dismayed. Fear not. For I am with you. I will be your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Don't you be afraid. I am with you. This is the promise that Jesus made to his disciples. Before he ascended in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, where he says, and behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. This, beloved, is the promise that the Lord himself made to Paul in Acts chapter 18 in a dream, beginning in verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. I am with you. Listen, beloved, there is no more important there is no more impactful. There is no more long-standing, fruit-bearing, life-changing promise in all of the Word of God than the promise God gives to His people when He says, I am with you. You remember that. You remember that because any pursuit of God begins with God's pursuit of us. Any desire for God begins with God's desire for us. Any knowing God begins with God knowing us. And any love and devotion for God begins, as 1 John 4 and 17 reminds us, with God's love and devotion for us. So therefore, beloved, devotion is simple. Because God has made it simple. You can be with God because God is with you. He desires it. We can spend time with God because God desires to spend time with you. How do we know this? We know this because that's why he sent Jesus. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Jesus is God with us. But not only is Jesus God with 
us, beloved. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 tells us that Jesus is not just with us. Jesus is in us. God is in us. To them, God has come to be in us, among us, the riches of his mystery, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So that we are never without God. Did you hear that? We are never without God. You are never without God. No matter how dark it seems, we are never without God. No matter how hard it gets, the Christian is never without God because we are never without Christ. You are always with Christ because Christ is always with you. That's how simple devotions are. I'm always journaling. I'm always journaling. I'm always journaling because I'm always with Jesus. This is what we see in Psalm 42. So you thought we were never going to get there. That's what we see in Psalm 42. Because admittedly, beloved, admittedly, admittedly, it does get dark sometimes. It gets dark sometimes. But we do need to remember some things. We do need to remember some things. And it's what the psalmist reminds us. We do need to remember, even though it gets dark sometimes, that we are designed for devotion. Okay? Remember, when it gets dark, and it does, that we are designed for devotion. Look at Psalm 42, verses 1 through 2. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for living God. You and I are designed for devotion. Notice the psalmist says, reminds us that the human soul is an empty, God-shaped vessel longing to be filled. Longing. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you. There is my soul. There is a God-shaped vessel that longs to be filled. Unfortunately, what happens is we seek to fill it with all matter of things that don't satisfy. All matter of things. You know what the world is filled with, beloved? You see it. You see it all over. The world is filled with rich, powerful, famous, influential, unsatisfied, unhappy people. Rich, powerful, famous, influential, unsatisfied, unhappy people. You see it. They all over Twitter. They have all their they have all their reality shows. You see it all over the place. You know why they have reality shows? Because they're lacking. Listen, beloved. If you are not lacking, you don't need a reality show. You know why you have a reality show? Because you're lacking. Because you're lacking. And you're trying to feel, you're trying to make reality. Because you're lacking. And what are they lacking? 
We are designed by God. We are designed for God. And the more the deer runs, the more the deer thirsts. The more the deer runs, the more the deer thirsts. And the more you and I live, the more we need God. The more you live, the more you need something more than this world. That's what happens. The older you get, the older you get, the more you know this world ain't going to make it. This world ain't going to be enough. Just keep living. The more you live, the more you run, the more you know this world ain't going to make it. This world ain't going to be enough. I need something more. The more you run, the thirstier you get. The more you need God. Why? Because Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 tells us that God has set eternity in the human heart. In other words, God has put himself in the human heart. Every heart yearns to be with God. That's the reality. That's the reality show. That's the reality show every human being is yearning for. The reality of heaven. Because every soul is God-shaped. Yearning to be filled. And that's why Jesus says in John chapter 6 and verse 35 that I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. As the deer pants for the water brook, Jesus says, so your soul thirsts after me. And when you come to me, you will never be thirsty again. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 107 and verse 9. For he who satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul, he fills with good things. And what are those good things? He fills with himself. That's what, that's what the soul is after. The deer pants after God. That's what he's young. That's what he's longing for. He's longing for God. He's longing for Christ. He's longing for eternity. That's reality. Listen, beloved. Listen, listen. We were designed for devotion. Because we were designed for God. That's how simple it is. We were designed for devotion. And yet, and yet, even though we were designed for devotion, the psalmist reminds us that we are easily discouraged. We are so easily discouraged. You see that in verse 3. But my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all the day long, where is your God? Even though we are designed for God, we are easily discouraged. Why? Because rather than feed upon the word of God, we feed upon our fears and our tears. We drink our tears and we feed upon our fears because somebody said, and rightly so, you are what you eat. This is what we do. It's what we do. Rather than eating at the table of the Spirit's encouragement, we feast upon our own doubts and disappointments. It's what we do. 
rather than fill our lives and our days with the promises of God and the purposes of God for our lives, we allow our days to be filled with the criticisms and the critiques of other people. This is what we do. Rather than fill our lives with the graces and the mercies of God, we allow ourselves and our lives to be filled with our sins and our failures and allow them to define us. This is what we do. And somebody is right. We are what we eat. Jesus said, we should not be living by bread alone. But we are to be living on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We should not be drinking our tears. We should not be feeding upon our fears, which leads to discouragement. No, beloved, but we should be feasting, feasting upon the promises of God. We should be feasting upon the purposes of God. We should be eating upon the encouragements of God. Whatever things are right, whatever things are true, whatever things are good, these are the things that we are to be Feasting upon. These are the things that we are to be intaking. But no, 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 beloved, listen to what the psalmist says. My tears have been my food day and night. Why? Because we are easily discouraged. We are easily discouraged. Because we are what we eat. And because we are what we eat, our devotion is easily undermined. And because devotion is easily undermined, we don't spend time with God. And when we don't spend time with God, then we don't spend time with God's people. And that's what the psalmist says. In verse 4, Psalm 42, then he says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. He's not spending time with God because he's feeding upon his tears. He's feeding upon his fears. And now his heart is breaking because he remember how it used to be. I used to walk among the crowd of worshipers. He's not spending time with God. He's not spending time among God's people. He used to walk among the crowd of worshipers. He used to lead them in great processions to the house of God. He used to be singing with joy and giving thanks among the sound of the great celebration. When we miss time with our personal time with God, then it's easy to miss public time in worship. That's what happens. That's what happens. When people are in public worship, when people are not in public worship, that is usually a sign that they are not spending much time in private worship either. That's it, beloved. That's it. That, 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 is, a, that is a dead giveaway. That is a dead giveaway. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to say anything. I know that is a dead giveaway. When people are not in the place of the public worship, then they are not doing much in private worship either. I know it's true. You ain't got to say amen. Why? Why? How do you know that's true, pastor? How do you know that's true? Because, beloved, when you are spending time alone with God, one of the things that God is pressing upon your heart is to make sure that you are spending time with God's people. 
when you're spending time alone with Jesus, Jesus is pressing upon your heart. Now you need to go spend time with God's people. And I know if you're not spending time with God's people, you're probably not spending time with God. So it was with the psalmist. So it is with us, beloved. But that's okay. Because the Lord makes it simple. He makes it real simple this morning. Real simple this morning for us. Even in our discouragement, he gives us simple directions. Simple directions. And how he recovers us from the dark. He has not left us in the dark. But notice what the psalmist says. Notice what the psalmist realizes in verse 5. That even, even though he feels himself in the dark, even though he feels himself out, out in the deep, out in the waters where he is out, where deep is casting over into deep. He looks at his soul and he says, why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. In other words, he remembers. God is still with you. God is not leaving you. God has promised to be with you. He has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. God is an ever-present help. God is an everlasting hope. In verse 8, by day the Lord directs his love, and at night his song is with me. By day and by night. There's a prayer to the God of my life. Wherever you are, wherever you are, the Lord sends his covenant love, his covenant faithful love. He sends his lifeline to rescue you. He sends his lifeline. You will not be overwhelmed. You will not be overwhelmed. The deep will not overcome you, whether it is by day or by night. Your Lord, your God will be faithful. He is there. The deep will not overtake you, will not overcome you. Wherever you are, his lifeline comes. He's there. He's there. Do not be overcome. Hope in God. Hope in God. Hope in God. Why? Because Jesus is there. Wherever you are, he's there. Wherever you are, however you may be, the Lord is with you. You can spend time with him. No matter the time of day. No matter how it looks outside, you can spend time with him. You can spend. You can hope in God. Because Jesus is there. He's right there. So here how devotions go. This is how devotions go. Okay? You start your day with Jesus. Okay? This is what the psalmist reminds us. You start your day with Jesus. Begin your morning listening to Jesus. Start your day with Jesus. Rather than listening to NPR or Steve Harvey or Good Morning America or Tom Joyner or Morning Show or whatever else you listen to, start your morning listening to Jesus. His word, start listening to Jesus his songs, listening to his presence in Psalm 59 and verse 16. But I will sing your, for your strength in the morning. I will sing your love for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. In the morning, start your morning listening to Jesus. Start your morning listening to Jesus. Why? Because he's there. 
Start your day listening to Jesus. Because he's there, he's with you. But not only start your day listening to Jesus, in your day with Jesus. Because he's there. I remember somebody used to tell me that nothing happens, nothing good happens after midnight. Well, I don't know about that. Because the Bible reminds us that the Lord is always up. The Lord never slumbers, he never sleeps. And he often delivers his people after dark. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, the Bible tells us that Paul and Silas were delivered after midnight from the prison. And so, you don't just begin your day with Jesus, you can end your day with Jesus. Because he never slumbers. Nor, he'll ever sleep, nor does he ever sleep. And the last thing you can do at the end of your day is call upon the name of Jesus. Don't just start your day with Jesus. You end your day with Jesus. But don't just start your day with Jesus. You end your day with Jesus. But don't just start your day with Jesus and end your day with Jesus, but be reminded that you and I be with Jesus all day long because Jesus is not a part-time savior. Jesus is with you every day, all day long. In Psalm 55 and verse 17, morning, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night. I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. Morning, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night. Listen, beloved, the Lord doesn't find time for you. And you don't find time for Jesus. The Lord is with you all the time. You don't find time for Jesus. Jesus isn't finding time for you. He's with you all the time. Morning, noon, or night. So that you and I don't add Jesus to our lives. Jesus is your life. He is your life. I'm reminded of that. You see, Pastor Phil, I don't add Jesus to my life. Jesus is my life. So therefore, I add everything else to it. See, I don't find time for Jesus. Jesus is my life. Then I find time to pay golf. Most people try to find time for Jesus. No, beloved, you don't find time for Jesus. Jesus is your life. You find time for everything else. Find time for the extracurriculars. Add everything else to your life. Jesus is the center of the joy. All that's good and perfect comes from him. He is your heart's contentment. He is the one who gives meaning and significance to everything else. Jesus is the center of your joy. That's what the psalmist is saying. That's where devotion is found. Jesus is the center of your joy. I'm reminded, I'm reminded this, this morning, beloved, that meaning in my life was nothing until I understood Jesus. Not that I found Jesus, but Jesus found me. And not, beloved, that 
my life was in Jesus, but that Jesus' life was in me. And everything else began to make sense. Everything else began to make sense. Father, husband, pastor, friend, everything else began to make sense because of being with Jesus. Be with Jesus and everything else will take care of itself. Let's pray.